Hello, everyone, and welcome to the CoinPass podcast. We talk about fintech, crypto, blockchain, and investing. And today, I have a very, very special guest. Uh, uh, one of my guests is from Superfin, which is a smart investing platform for crypto assets. It helps inv individuals invest in crypto in a smart, transparent, and automated way. The platform leverages proprietary investment and risk models to select the recommended crypto assets. Uh, my guest today is Liliana uh, Reza who's a fintech and wealth entrepreneur with 20 years of experience in fintech and investment banking. She's been a speaker at over 30 fintech and digital asset events globally and has been selected as one of the top 100 global fintech women and influencers by Innovate Finance. Liliana's career has spanned many years from traditional finance, trading and investing, mergers and acquisitions through roles at JP Morgan, Bank of America, Deutsche Bank, Morgan Stanley, Moody's Analytics in both the US and the UK. Liliana, welcome to the CoinPass podcast. Thank you for having me here, Jeff. Uh, it's really great to have you. Yeah, I mean, uh, someone with your, you know, background and uh, and wealth of experience in the traditional finance space, you know, working for some of those massive bank names that everyone's kind of, you know, everyone knows and is aware of their, their household names, right? You know, what originally made you make the switch uh, from traditional banking and kind of to, into fintech and, and becoming an entrepreneur? Yeah, so um, because I have worked in many areas of finance, like you mentioned from M&A, corporate finance, trading and risk portfolio analytics, uh, I realized uh, I had learned a lot and now it was time to uh, give back and do and utilize my know-how uh, to improve uh, finance through fintech. And I came across uh, a crypto assets uh, linked to, to, to blockchains, so cryptocurrencies, and I uh, realized that uh, cryptocurrencies could transform completely the finance industry and I uh, wanted to create uh, a solution, uh, so Superfin, a smart wealth tech platform to help individuals also participate in the great potential of the cryptocurrency markets. Great. And you know, what kind of time period did that kind of start? How long have you been involved for? Because I mean, you're obviously a wealth of experience in those you know, big traditional banks uh, that are, you know, are they involved with crypto yet? Are they looking at digital assets? Are they looking at blockchains? You know, from your experience, when is that kind of shift going to start to happen between these traditional markets and kind of crypto markets? Yeah. So when I started was, well, the, the, the first time I came across crypto was in uh, 2014. When I had to, uh, I was asked to write an article on uh, Bitcoin uh, and I researched it. Uh, I thought uh, the concept was very much cutting edge, but yet uh, for me, I, I needed to see more evidence that were um, other cryptocurrencies or other trends that could really affect uh, the entire finance industry. And as time passed by, it was not until the end of January 2017 when I got, uh, I, I was sent a lot of emails by uh, crypto assets, um, blockchain entrepreneurs about raising capital. Um, and I, I researched the industry and realized uh, crypto assets could um, transform capital markets in uh, a, a... And so I, in January 2018, I created my company, um, Superfin, uh, a smart wealth tech platform for crypto assets. Uh, but at that point, uh, I don't think financial institutions were keen in, in cryptocurrencies or fintech. Again, it was all, well, mainly cryptocurrencies because it's a new industry, a new concept. So the concept of uh, blockchain tokens, which are cryptocurrencies that power uh, public blockchain ecosystems, it's completely new. Uh, it's not like equities or fixed income. Mm. And so I think uh, for the finance industry, uh, 
a lot of people with my background in the structural credit, they became very, very interested. Um, however, they work for large corporations and, and financial institutions, and they have the, you know, they cannot just quit their jobs and get involved with cryptocurrencies. And so, but, uh, but a lot of a lot of people with a structured credit product background, they just love the concept. Uh, they thought it was very interesting and could disrupt um, capital markets. Uh, but I, I think only until recently, we we have not seen ma major financial institutions focus on cryptocurrencies just because uh, they are heavily regulated. Uh, but also, um, they need to understand it better and. And maybe little by little they all get into uh, into cryptocurrencies, um, and also because typically innovation comes from startups, mm. you know, like your company Compass and my company uh, Suprafin. So, uh, um, yeah. And you touched really uh, just a kind of keyword I picked from that. You know, they they've been looking at it. There's been an interest there. Uh, they've kind of seen you know the 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 ecosystem developed as far back as 2014 when I when I first heard about Bitcoin myself. And uh, if they've been kind of watching it from the sidelines for so long, and you mentioned they're you know uh, they're they're heavily regulated, which you know all highly liquid you know very successful markets do have a form of regulation on them. Uh, illiquid and you know, dark markets are always you know, illiquid for a, for a reason, right? So do you think that when more um, regulated uh, exchanges, custody, custody providers, you know, those, those liquidity pools that are, are backed by you know traditional market makers, and the you know the the areas to trade, the areas to invest, and the areas to leverage that kind of tech, uh, do you think they'll become more involved? Yeah, I guess uh, there are already areas where they could uh, become involved, which are security tokens, because they're regulated. However, uh, security tokens is much more complex than anything you can imagine. So it's, it's similar to actually structured, structured products, which financial institutions are very familiar with, um, well, through particular groups. Uh, but I think also recently we saw that the U.S. Uh, has allowed now banks to provide custody to uh, mm. For cryptocurrencies. That was a big news item this week, wasn't it? Yeah. Exactly, because in the past, obviously, uh, the US was so against uh, anything in, in cryptocurrencies, mainly because the US, 30% uh, of revenues in the US rely from revenues from financial institutions. So it's, a, it's already a huge market. And so if they're going to let financial institutions enter into crypto, they need to be careful. Mm. Uh, correct. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was interesting to see now the U.S. government uh, letting banks provide custody solutions for crypto assets. Um, so that's interesting. That's However, I do, do you think that was targeted at retail or at institutional or both? That that oh, that's targeted at institution primarily because institutions, as they are more regulated, they they need to have there are certain things they are supposed mm. to have, like custody solutions is a requirement. So I think it's more for financial institutions and, and most of the, the financial markets, the largest markets are not necessary. Retail is large, but the non-retail side is just much bigger. Mm. You know, With, if you include all derivatives, that's just like trillions and trillions of dollars. So. Yeah. And I, and I suppose with that, that uh, you know, that connection now, if if banks can do custody for institutions and that will you know, eventually kind of waterfall and filter down to retail, uh, you know, there's always been this, you know, feeling that the that the markets between traditional finance and crypto have been you know traditionally uncorrelated um and you know with more institutional involvement do you think that you know these you know, the the old world and the new world are going to become more correlated over time well that's a, a good question so currently um 
the way some crypto assets work like exchange tokens, which are cryptocurrencies linked to public blockchains, uh, which have uh, our payment system, in essence, like payment systems that are not linked at all with uh, the banking system. Uh, those type of cryptocurrencies like exchange tokens, like Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, uh, Zik, uh, Monero, etc., they they are completely uncorrelated with asset classes like equity, fixed incomes, commodities, because uh, fundamentally they are not linked. Mm. And uh, However, obviously, as financial institutions enter the market and they also start to trade those uh, markets, there, uh, there could be more correlation, but it's not a fundamental correlation. It could be more because it has nothing, again, uh, exchange tokens are not linked to uh, mm. equities at all, correct? Like there's no fundamental link. Or, or fixed income, or a company actually. It's a distributed, it's like a distributed payment system. Uh, so the correlation could be more like who is trading it and, and, and the strategies, the trading strategy or the human behind uh, mm. behind the strategy. So the, the correlation among every, anything is always going to be human related. Like, you know, we as traders get sometimes uh, have same strategy. So if we are not expert traders, we are too emotional sometimes, you know, and, <laughs> pull, pull the plug in the strategy before it before it kills and i suppose that was probably the the biggest example we probably saw that recently was when uh the big COVID impact happened in the beginning of march 2020 uh, depending when you're watching this obviously or listening to this uh, when we saw um the, uh, the s p do a you know a huge downward spiral which saw a huge downward spiral with crypto at the same time and there was you know all this talk of like these markets are, uh, apparently uh, uncorrelated but do you, do you think that there were potentially a margin positions on one side and those were closed in order to, you know, uh, fill margin calls on the, on the traditional finance side? I mean, clearly there was some sort of, uh, some sort of connection between the markets. Yeah. There. Well, there's also a lot of strategies. So if you are a, a quant trader and, and, and you think you can make a lot of money because hum, people might panic. So what you want to do is you also want to sell, but you want to sell first. You want to sell first so that when everyone starts selling later, you know the market will come down and then you know you, you will buy it. So based on your own fundamental analysis and, and vision of, of prices, you will, you will know where you're going to buy it. But you know there's going to be a lot of people, the followers, that will follow that trade and everyone will sell. Mm. And so it's more like um, the reason markets collapse like that is because there are other people with a lot of money uh, that understand uh, sentiment analysis and people's behavior and overreaction, and they want to benefit from that. They want because you can make a lot of money, correct? If you sell first, or or kind of first, and then wait for the rest to follow and sell, 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 and then you buy. And that's what we exactly saw. So the markets went down, all of them together, and even in crypto. But again, in crypto, if you're the same trader, so if I can be trading equities, it's income, and now I'm trading crypto. I, I will think, well, there are a lot of people that are emotional and uh, also everyone is thinking of this strategy, sell, sell before the other people that will panic, sell and buy it later. And you will make a lot of money. And if you see the decline and then the price is going, it started to go up again, it's because there's a lot of people buying. And I think most of the losses recovered in the case of technology companies, I mean, the prices just continue to skyrocket after that. So, so it was more... Uh, uh, that's not, I don't know if it's correlation or that's more just strategy of trading rather mm. than fun, fundamental. But if you are an individual that is not a trader and is, you have a job to do, 
you yourself are not going to be always looking for those opportunities. You need to have someone or a machine or a computer or someone doing, looking for those opportunities for you because uh, it's, you know, a lot of work to be just following that. And, uh, yeah, 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 I, 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 I don't call it. So it's not a fundamental correlation. It is just a trading strategy that uh, is well used in the industry overall. If you know people are going to panic, this is what you do. Mm. I suppose that's a really, really good point there. You say, you know, the, the opportunities are there, but, you know, you're not always going to be, especially if you're a retail investor, uh, even someone running a business um, you know, or businesses, you know, you don't have the time to be always sitting there looking at charts, uh, looking for these opportunities and trying to spot where, you know, they all lie. And I suppose as these markets become more correlated over time, uh, more and more opportunities become apparent. And uh, I suppose that, that kind of brings us into like, um, where do you feel that kind of bringing technology in, uh, you know, into the trading aspect, into the strategy aspect to kind of spot these, spot these opportunities? Do you think automated trading is going to take over a lot of those kind of decision-making processes for the, you know, for the, the individual retail investor or the professional investor? Well, for the professional investor, it's always being, uh, there's a lot of automation. So when I worked at uh, Moody's Analytics uh, on the Morgan Stanley MSCI group of risk portfolio analytics, we had all these tools, uh, risk investment tools for traders, asset managers, central banks, everyone who, who wants to, you know, to, to have a bit more automation on the, on the process of, uh, of risk management. Uh, hence, um, on trading, so most investment banks in their capital market divisions in equity trading, they do everything programmatically. And more and more, uh, this programmatically trading is entering other asset classes in, in finance. So retail investor really has no edge by doing this on their own without any automation. And so this is where I thought, okay, technology, everything is being automated. So you as a human can never comp compete uh, with systems developed with computers power. So this is where my, the concept of my company, Superfin, uh, automated investment management for crypto assets, utilizing investment risk models that automate the process. And that it will also be looking for opportunities, although we focus mainly on the medium long term, in the future we'll have algorithms to also look for short term opportunities when there are major market, market uh, move, move, movements, because right. you make a lot of that money and we want to pass those, uh, help the masses benefit from all this technology and, uh, uh, you know, the great potential of the crypto asset market. So for anyone, trader, even if you're a professional tra uh, a trader and in the, as an individual, no, not as a company, you need to have, you need to automate the processes. Mm. Uh, some things are not as automated, like, so your, your, your framework, like what are the key parameters that I'm going to look for? That is on you, you decide that. But co other components, like how often do I look at the, this particular metric that I'm looking, that has to be automated, correct? Mm. So not a framework, the framework you set up yourself, so you need this critical thinking. It's always important, but then the rest, a lot of things that can just be automated, looking for data, new evidence, pulling data from the, from, from uh, all the, the market data or even fundamental data that can be scraped from the websites and so on. And when you say framework, is that someone saying, I want to put in, say, you know, 5,000 pounds and I have a, a goal target and I want to be low risk? Is that kind of the framework you're talking or is no, it more, more, more depth to that? No, a framework is your investment framework. So let's say I'm an expert. In trader. So all I want to do is train, have my own strategy. So I need to have an idea how am I, why, what's going to make me buy something and what's going to make me sell something. And then I need a, a framework of that is, you know, very complex. For example, in exchange tokens, like the things we consider 
what makes a good an exchange token a good exchange token? So decentralization, uh, I guess, a level of scalability, the network, things like that. So that, for example, is my framework, right? Mm -hmm. if first I set my framework and then I look for ways of under, uh, validating this framework or getting the data for this framework. And a lot of that is automated. So in the case of, for example, uh, level of decentralization, I will look at the number of miners mm. or when I'm looking at the network size, I look at the block, pull that from the blockchain data. Uh, and so on. So things like that. So first, step, your framework. In the case of equities, your framework for, let's say, analyzing Zoom, you know, will be, oh, my framework is, well, is this industry going to perform better now because uh, we are going to lockdown? Is everything mm -hmm. becoming digitized? Are they the best on that? I'll, you know, that's a framework, your framework of investment. Once you have your framework of investment, you also need to have your time horizon. Am I uh, short term? Long Am I term, focused yep. on, a, on one week, medium term, or, or long term? So that is also part of your framework. Once you have your entire framework, then you think, how do I automate every component that I can? Not everything can be automated, but a lot of things can be, and those things that can be automated, you have to automate it because your competition has automated that. And the, the companies in investment that make the most money have the best of the best in automation, in frameworks, and all of that. And it's not all of them, it's few, because for better or worse than their, their, the followers, the people that just say, oh, the market is going up, let's buy. Oh, the market's coming down, let's sell. <laughs> so, and that's not a framework, you know? So, yeah. And uh, your tools and what you kind of built uh, inside Superbin as a, you know, as a wealth tech platform, you know, and not just a, you know, an automated kind of crypto, you know, trading strategy, all that. Uh, you know, have you kind of baked those kind of uh, frameworks and time horizon, et cetera, into the various, I suppose, strategies or, or, or risk parameters that users can set and, and, uh, and, and enjoy? Yes, exactly. So we've started with all, so there's hundreds of crypto assets. Uh, we are starting with uh, exchange tokens because they have a very, uh, I want to say it's a simple framework, but yet very different, like complex in the sense that it's new, completely new. You know, how cryptocurrencies linked to public blockchain work, the business model uh, is nothing to do with equities, fixed income. So we have a framework, our own framework for that. Um, we believe there may be some few hedge funds that uh, from New York that may have a similar framework, but it's, you know, it's our expert from the industry and, uh, and, you know, we focus on fundamentals. And then we have a framework for stable tokens. And we are going to develop in the future a framework for utility tokens. Those are extremely complex just because they also depend on industry where they operate. Mm -hmm. And there's going to be the details of, you know, what's the structure uh, of that particular token, which could be very different depending on how that's structured. So, that's going to take more time to, to, to create a framework for utility tokens. But so far now we have a framework for exchange tokens, stable tokens. And with that, we can create already diversified portfolios uh, based on, um, so we have an, our investment risk models assigned uh, risk scores, investment mm -hmm. scores to these crypto assets to the ones that made it into the list. Because first we go and select the best and, get, um, and eliminate the ones we, we think are a no-go in spite of being trading currently in circuit exchanges. And, and we, this framework or, uh, or this investment score will review it periodically. Um, well, we monitor every day, really, mm. because this could, there, there could be a dramatic change and, and you need to monitor every day. Uh, and, and, that, and by monitoring it, we, uh, we can change then the investment score for each crypto asset. Uh, and the framework, our framework is 
also to create uh, different customized portfolios for different clients. So if a client has a low risk profile, we create a particular portfolio for that client so that they can tolerate the risk. We have then another portfolio for medium risk of uh, people and then another portfolio for the high risk uh, people. Right. Very, very cool stuff. I really look forward to seeing how that evolves in the future, not just in your, you know, regular you know, mundane low risk stuff, but then obviously the more complex products that kind of get baked into your uh, various algos and strategies. Really, really cool stuff. So I think that's a really, really good point where we can end the podcast today. Uh, Liliana from Superfin, thank you very much for coming on the show. It's been great having you and talking about uh, the correlation between uh, traditional markets and crypto. We talk about automation, uh, the edges that you know, people need to be competitive in this space. It's all been really, really good fun. Thank you very much for joining us. Oh, thank you for having me here. Not a problem. And how do people get in touch with you if they want to reach out and uh, learn a bit more about what Superfin does? Well, uh, they can um, go to my website, suprafin.io. So that's S-U-P-R-A-F-I-N.io. And my email is there. Uh, yeah, or find me in LinkedIn. I'm Lily Anarisor, L-I-L-I-A-N-A-R-E-A-S-O-R. Excellent. And we'll have the links for your uh, Twitter and your and your LinkedIn uh, on, on the podcast notes here as well. So uh, if anyone out there listening wants to be a guest on the CoinFast podcast, uh, please drop us an email, podcast at coinpass.com, or drop us a tweet at CoinFast Global. Uh, once again, thank you very much, Liliana, for being my guest. And uh, everyone stay safe out there and have a really great week. Yeah, bye all. Bye-bye.